Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He left, but he took somebody with him, didn't he? He took a lot. His nephew. Now, if it would have been the days with airplanes and extra luggage, he probably would have left a lot at home. I'm not paying for you. Forget it. He'd have been way better off. You see, anytime you compromise what God asks you to do, it will bite you in the end. You will pay for it. He will pay for lot coming with him. Have you ever heard clearly from God to do something but kinda did it, it probably didn't work out so well. You found out that just doing what God said to do, the way that God said to do it, had great results, didn't you? Pastor Mark will be teaching about the plans that God has for your life. He'll be using the example of Abraham, showing that when Abraham did things God's way, that his life was pretty smooth. But you'll also discover the things that went wrong for Abraham when he decided to do things his own way instead of following the plans that God had made clear to him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Jeremiah chapter 10 as he continues his message, The Great I Am Has a Plan for Your Life. Here's the thing that encourages me, and it encourages some of you. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, 75. He'd been retired and on medical leave for about 12 years, (laughs) had been doing nothing, just sitting around. No, 75, and God says, I'm going to start my life in you at 75. Does that give anybody hope, praise God? That's good, all right. Now, we know from Acts chapter 7 that this promise was made to Abram before he left the Earl of Chaldees. Now that his father was dead and he was compelled to more complete obedience, he didn't have any more excuses, God repeated, you're going to see that in a moment, he repeats that promise. You've heard me say partial obedience is what? disobedience. It just never works. The reason this call has to be repeated to Abram in Haran, God gave it to him first in the year of Chaldees, where they were. But they went to Haran and were there for years until father passed away. At that point, God came again and he repeated the promise to Abram. I love that in one way. Have you ever missed the will of God? I have. And then God came again to me. Gave me another chance. Aren't you glad for second chances? How about Jonah? So Abram blew it. But eventually he got it right. 
He's going to come and he's going to make some altars in Shechem and Bethel. And he's going to make that long trip in obedience to God. Now he left, he went. So the today is the best day to start following God. Now he left, but he took somebody with him, didn't he? He took Lot, his nephew. Now, if it would have been the days with airplanes and extra luggage, he probably would have left Lot at home. I'm not paying for you, forget it. He'd have been way better off. You see, anytime you compromise what God asks you to do, it will bite you in the end. You will pay for it. He will pay for Lot coming with him. Now, one of these promises that God gave to Abraham and Sarah was a difficult one. From you, you and your wife, there's going to come a son. Through that lineage is going to come the Messiah. Well, of course, that's an impossibility. And you're going to see that. So what does Abram have to do to leave? Why did he leave? Well, he left because of these next verses and this next statement. The next thing you see is he left simply believing God. He didn't have any real reason to believe God, but he just believed God. God designed our lives to be lived by faith, not by sight. Remember, if you know the story of Abram, he doesn't tell him where he's going. He doesn't tell him how long it's going to be. He just gives him a promise. He says, I'm going to use you. Well, there is no sight there. You have no clue where you're going. So it's all by faith. But 2 Corinthians, Paul writes it like this. We live or we walk because today requires steps by faith, not by sight. To be honest, the easiest way to live is by sight. Preferably, I'd like to kind of see where I'm going, wouldn't you? Okay, what do you want, God? What are you going to do? Give me a little plan how that's going to work. Okay, I can kind of get my mind around it and be ready. He has nothing to get his mind around. He just leaves. Kind of reminds me of Paul on the road when he's knocked off the horse. He's blinded. He's always been in charge. He's not in charge now. And so he's not sure where he's going and how this is going to work. I think the disciples were like that. When Jesus called those first disciples, they just left the fishing, the brothers, their dad, the business, and they left. I always thought about that. That I'm thinking, they're probably thinking, where are we staying tonight? I'd be thinking that. Some of you were thinking, where are we eating? I don't care about staying. Where are we eating tonight? Abraham didn't know where he was staying. He didn't know how it was going to work. It was just a step of faith. Now, the easiest way is to follow God by sight, but God rarely does that. Do you know why often he doesn't do that? Because we'd be afraid if we knew what was ahead. So he says, no, you're not ready yet. So I'm going to just tell you, just follow me. Now, the most exciting way is the way Abraham did it. Just to step out, trust God, and do it. Now, to be honest, every one of you, if you're a Christ follower, we do, and we do live our lives on the promises of God. None of you have ever seen God or Jesus None of us have ever met any of the writers of the Bible. None of us have an original manuscript of the Bible. But when we took the step of faith and asked God to come into our lives, forgive us of our sins, 
We're just banking that all of this that we read and what we can see is absolutely true. So we do walk by faith, not by sight. Now let's turn back to Hebrews chapter 11 for a second. Let's go through some things. Because who is asking Abram to do this? The great I am is. The great I am is in charge. The great I am is in charge of your life. If I ask many of you, if you revert back in your life five or ten years ago, would your wildest imagination picture you right here in this town, at this church, doing these things? Many of you would have never imagined that. Or friends. You just wouldn't imagine it. Well, add another five or ten years. Oh, he said, I know exactly where I'm going to be. Really? Maybe not. See, that's the exciting thing to see and watch how God changes our lives. Hebrews 11.1, you know it well. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1, certain of what we do not see. Everyone has faith and lives by faith. When I talk to an agnostic or an atheist, by the way, most of those group that we'll talk about this weekend, the nuns, those that are about 20%, one-fifth of all the people in the United States called nuns, they don't have any religion. Most of them are not atheists or agnostics. They just don't have any spiritual desire. They say they're not interested in anything. Many of them actually will say, I believe in a God, but I'm not interested. I don't know what God's about, and I'm not interested in anything with God. So understand, everyone has faith. When I talk to those people, I say, well, you're going to have to have faith to please God. Well, I don't, I'm not into this faith stuff. I said, really? When's the last time you got in an airplane? Well, I flew off to whatever. Really? You knew the pilot, correct? Are you a mechanical engineer? How do you know that the guy that put fuel in it put the right fuel in? You have no clue. And so understand, when you take medicine, some of you took a medicine this morning. I took my vitamins. Do you know what's in it? Well, you're trusting who? You're trusting the name on the label. You're trusting your pharmacist. You're trusting the doctor. We all live by faith. When you came to the stop sign or the stop light, you're praying that the guy in the other lane believes in the law. You have faith. You don't even think about it. And away we go. That's the way it is. So what is faith? Faith is different than that. It's not based in a man. It's not based in a company. It's not based in an airline. It's not based in a policeman. Here's what you want to write. Faith is complete confidence that God will do what he promised. See, faith always has to be in someone or something. The object of faith is God. It's not some wish. It's not something. Notice, we're certain the object of faith is God himself in his word. True faith that we have is always based on a command or a promise from God. The reason you believe that you're saved is because the word of God says, if you'll confess your sins and believe, you will be saved. So I have faith. I can't prove it to you. I can't see it. But I have faith that that's going to happen because of the promise of God. Now, where do we find these promises of God? In the word of God. That's why we study the Word of God. Let me just read to you again Isaiah 43.10. Just write that down for time's sake, Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, so that you may know and believe me. 
to have faith in me and understand that I am me. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Now, here's the key. Beth Moore has a great book. I don't want you copying this, but I want to talk about it for a moment. Beth Moore has a great book. It's been on a number of years ago. But she says in this book, and it's so true, don't just believe in God, but believe God. See, that's a huge difference. Because you see a lot of people say, are you a Christian? Well, I believe in God. Well, Satan believes in God. Understand that. And is he going to be in heaven? No. Because he doesn't believe God. You have to take that belief and make it personal to you. Not just in God, but it has to become part of you. Now, here's what she says in her book, and it's a really good book. If you've never gotten it, get to the bookstore and get one. You don't need to copy it down because you'll never make it through. God is who he says he is. That's why I can believe in him. I can believe in him, and I can simply believe God for his word. Number two, God can do what he says he can do. Amen. Can God heal you? Yes, he can. Believe him. Number three, I am who God says I am. Many Christians have a terrible opinion of who they are. Why would you believe that? You're made in the image of God. Now, without him, we already know what we are. Nothing. But with him, in him, and through him, we live and have our being. Number four, I can do all things through Christ. That's the word says. We already know that verse. We studied it in Philippians. And last, God's word is alive in me and active in me. That's what gives us this excitement about doing life. So Abraham made the right choice on one thing. He, he took a step of faith, not, in, uh, not a leap into the dark. He took a step of faith on the promise of God, even though he failed. He continued because God gave him the promise again. Remember, failure is not final. Don't play around in all that. Now, how did Abraham have faith? We know how faith comes. Romans 10, 17, you know it. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How did Abraham faith have faith to step out and head to a land he didn't know where? He heard the word of God. It never changes. And what does Satan want to keep you and I out of? The word of God. And we're out of the word of God. We have very little faith. Because we think about us and the way the world is. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't forgive this person. I'll never get through this. God, you don't know what you're doing. How come you're silent? Where are you? You must be mad at me. We don't understand any of that. Now, do you think Abram had any doubts? No doubt. He had doubts. Would you have had doubts? Would you have had doubts when you told Sarai where you were going? You might not have until you told her. And as a good wife would say, okay, we're packing up the U-Haul. Where are we going? And the leader of the home said what? I don't know. That is not a good thing to say to a wife. Who wants security? I don't know where we're going. Just pack up the furniture. We're going. So understand. No question. Sometimes I like to do this. I like to dialogue. What do you think Abraham said back to God? I kind of wrote it like this. God, 
because you introduce yourself to me, because of your word to me, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to obey you. I really don't know what you have in store, but somehow your word has stirred up faith in me and I'm going to follow you. I believe it had to go like that. You know, we just read the statement and Abraham just packed up and off he went. No, there, where is the battle? Tell me. It's in the mind. You don't think Abram kind of went, hmm. Remember, his first time ever introduced to any God that could talk. So the battle's in the mind. So the next thing I want you to write, because this is not for Abram, this is for you and me. Faith and obedience in the great I am leads always to ventures of faith. The reason you're in this building is because many, many, many years ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago, Pastor Chuck started with ventures of faith. A little teeny Calvary Chapel. All of a sudden, God began to move. Hippie movement, you know, whole deal. Everything happened. Today, 2,000 Calvary Chapels around the world. Really, 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 really small group of churches compared to Baptist and AG and Church of God and whatever. But great churches. How did it start? Venture of faith. Well, how are you going to live your life? Ventures of faith. See, if you don't live your life, With ventures of faith, you're simply existing. We have to learn to take risks when God speaks to us. And it's always not going to be a jump in the dark, but it's going to require a step of faith. Now, before Abraham did this, he kind of had to begin thinking about this. Is this the one true God? Because I'm sure God introduced himself. I'm the great I am. I'm the only God there is. That probably wasn't too hard for Abram because he'd never heard of God speak. When you know God speaking to you, just recently, like I told you, somebody got saved in one of the weekends. I won't identify the weekend for reasons. The individual came and said, you know what? I don't really even believe in God. But somehow somebody spoke to me. When I was listening to you. Hello God. You see. That's the way God is. So somehow he had to believe that. Somehow he had to have some kind of faith. That God put that challenge in him. That where he was going. Now this is hard. Was better off than where he was. He was very wealthy. Had a beautiful wife. Probably had it all set up. But he's going to head off. And. Because of that, he had to think about this. And this is what I want you to think about. Somewhere in that thought process, Abraham had to say this. This great I am is for me. He's not against me. If you don't believe that, you'll be miserable your whole life. God is for you. He's not against you. You've got to believe it. We sing that. One of my favorite songs. We sing it. Since God is for us, who in the world could be against us? So he had to be thinking about that. Now, Genesis chapter 12, go back, verse 5. What's the great I am going to do? Well, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. 
took this whole group of people, and they set out for the land of Canaan and finally arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. When you begin to follow the great I am, that never eliminates trials and temptations. The minute Abram gets in the land, you can think him thinking, uh, God, y- y- is this where I'm supposed to be? This is Canaan, right? You, f- you finally got me to the place. Who are these people over here? Am I supposed to do something with them? He discovers this is their land. They don't want to give it up to Abram. So he's probably beginning to think, okay, God, uh, do you mean this like following the great I am is going to include warfare? I had none of that problem at home. I was fine. By the way, the minute you decide to follow Jesus Christ, guess what happens the next week? Canaanites. They might be called West Melbourneites, but they're Canaanites. (laughs) Am I right? It could be in your own family. Very often is. If you're in Iran or Iraq or Yemen and you convert, you got the whole nation against you. So, notice what happens next, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, giving him a little encouragement after he discovers where he's at, to your offspring. Now, think of that, to your offspring. He's 75, good luck. The blue pill hasn't even been invented yet. (laughs) To your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. God came again to Abram and rewarded his faith again with this impossible promise. You see, that, that had to be such a shock. He doesn't get it. You couldn't in your wildest imagination think how it would work. But somehow he believes God. Look at verse 8. From there he went on toward the hills of Bethel, pitched a tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. Do you know when God made you, he made you a worshiper? You will worship someone or something your whole life. And I thought it was interesting, James Davis was here with our pastoral staff and taught us today. James said this statement, I wrote it down, I think I got it right. God will never take this place. Well, what place will he never take? Second place. I like it. If you're going to worship him, then worship him. Not second, not third, not fourth. First. He needs to be worshipped. You know, that altar simply symbolizes communion with God. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of doing what God says to do, the way that God says it. You learned that even though Abram was 75 years old, that God still picked him for this great adventure of creating a new nation. You found out that God seems to enjoy using people that don't make sense, to do his amazing works in the world. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. The next time we're together, Pastor Mark will be winding up his teaching, The Great I Am Has a Plan for Your Life. You'll be hearing more about how God led Abram to the land that God had promised to Abram's descendants, even though Abram didn't even have children yet. You'll see how God's faithfulness to Abram translates to your life, wherever you are today. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Great I Am's. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd